Welcome aboard this special flight EK000, where we aim to bring you all the latest updates, trip reports, tips, and with the occasional special guest on this fortnightly unofficial EK podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey. Hello, people of the interwebs. Welcome to the EK podcast, episode number four. You guys are saying, hang on. Where on earth have you been? Well, this podcast will reveal a bit more as to where I've been. The sad uh, story really is, is the sad um, state of the aviation industry at wide. And not really um, particularly focused on aviation, but in general what is happening with uh, businesses, how everyone's changing, work, lifestyle, etc., due to COVID-19. And this podcast really is going to dive into um, my recent experience with uh, Qatar Airways, um, who I recently flew with. Um, Totally was not expecting to fly with Qatar, um, but circumstances were as such that I had to fly with them. I had no choice. This is where it all starts. I flew into Karachi for uh, a 10-day or two-week business trip. Um, This was around March. Middle of March, the Pakistan government decides to um, halt all international flights um, and I was aware of it. I I did know this was going to happen, but initially the government said a week, 10 days, two weeks at max. And I thought, hey ho, it's not a problem. I don't need to rush out the country because of, you know, a two week delay. And lo and behold, I was stuck there for over seven weeks. Um, And during that period, Qatar Airways, alongside the British government, they had um, formed a partnership where the British government were bringing Brits back from Pakistan into the UK. However, most of the flights were operating from uh, two other cities, Lahore and Islamabad, which are a 15 to 17 hour drive from where I was. So that wasn't going to happen. So eventually when they opened up Karachi um, Airport for flights, I jumped on the opportunity not knowing if I was going to get a ticket or not. It was pretty much a balloting system. So you put your name down, you made the payment, um, and then they emailed me 12 hours before departure. How bizarre is that? Now, just to give you a bit of a background, I'm not sure why only the one flight from Karachi operated, even although there's uh, Karachi is the most um, populated city uh, in Pakistan. There's about just off the top of my head, there's about five or six Emirates flights going in every single day um, into Karachi and out, alongside Qatar, Turkish, um, local carriers, uh, fly Dubai. Um, So why they decided, and and the flight, uh, as you're going to find out through this trip um, review, the flight was packed. So I got my official confirmation 12 hours before departure. I was told in the email, pack your bags. If you are going to be on that plane, you will be notified 12 hours before. Now you can imagine that is just insane. Um, And I was contacting the British government, the British embassy, just trying to find out what's going on. They had taken payment, but they were prioritizing people who had medical conditions, old age, whether they'd really met the criteria of the chartered flight, so you had to be a British resident, um, and if you were uh, older in age, um, then they would prioritise you on the flight, if you had kids, if you had a family, etc, and they would run through the list, and then they would um, put you on that flight. 
So lo and behold, bags are packed, nothing, uh, and other people around me are getting notifications of their seat confirmation. So it was a bit tense, and then the s the email arrived. I um, uh, went into the went to the airport. Uh, roughly about two and a half hours before departure, even although we were told in the email arrived four hours before, as there were going to be critical and serious checks, temperatures, COVID-19 procedures. Um, really, that was all nonsense, but I still risked it. I knew how small the airport is. I know that it's just the one flight operating on that day. Surely it's not going to take four hours. So I arrived into the airport and... It was deserted. Um, there was literally, I know how busy that that airport is in a normal day. Um, it was deserted. Got off the car. We went towards the entrance to the terminal. We were sprayed on. Yes, I'm not even joking. The luggage was getting sprayed and the machine wasn't stopping. He was waiting for me to go through the spray. And um, yeah, I did see a few things under my breath. Went into the terminal. Bags were getting screened as they always do, and while they're getting screened, the porter says to me, "Yeah, that flight, uh, the queue at the checking desk is long." And as I peeked through, um, that was indeed the case. The queue, the queue for the checking desk was miles back. I think I spent around forty minutes. Um, now at this point, um, while I was in the queue, I was overweight in luggage. Um, we were allowed two twenty-three kg bags, so forty-six kg. I was well over that. Um, it was really generous of Qatar to offer such uh, such baggage allowances. I've never flew with Qatar. I've always heard glowing reviews. Um, but sadly, I'm not a EK fanboy. Well, yeah, yeah, I am. But the, the, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I don't fly Qatar is because they don't fly into Glasgow, which is the airport that I primarily use because it's nearest to me. They go to Edinburgh and I hate Edinburgh Airport. Um, I, I, that place depresses me but that's a story for a different day so while I'm standing in the check-in desk queue I'm like oh, this is going to be ages I'm overweight luggage and I'm not really liking this there was no social distancing uh, at times they would just remind you to you know just keep your distance but um, there was no hand sanitizers as such in the terminal got to the front and to be honest, my first experience with Qatar, like face to face, the initial, the first point of contact was fantastic. You know, considering that checking guy must have checked in so many people, it was really busy. Um, it was a full flight. You know, he still had a smile on. He was really friendly. He asked me where I wanted to sit, um, and then um, he said to me, "I, I did, I did ask him, is business class operating?" He said yes. I said, "How do people actually opt for the business class?" And he said that if you contacted the British government in advance, they would have upgraded you. I'm not sure how they expected people to contact the British government because there was no contact details for them in any of the correspondence. Um, but I did ask if I could get upgraded because I had an onward journey to Glasgow from Heathrow, uh, which would have added seven hours on, but uh, he was having none of that. So I did ask him at that point whether if there were any seats in economy that were empty next to me. He goes, nope, that's a full flight. So um, I did request an aisle seat um, because that is my pref preferential seat. Um, and um, yeah, I did get that. Boarding pass in hand, uh, went through immigration, which was, um, again, that queue for immigration on a normal day can take 45 minutes easy. 
went through immigration um, and then, sorry, the, the, the exit control went through that. And as I'm going through, all the shops for duty free were shut and they had COVID-19 signage up. And yeah, they weren't really open for the one flight. Um, and then as I'm going towards the boarding gate area, there's another round of security checks, which again is really normal. But I see these big, massive uh, scanners. I thought, hey, that is really impressive of the government to lay on some sort of thermal scanning body temperature machines. Yeah, it turns out those were just to see if I had left anything in my pocket um, during the x-ray uh, during the x-ray um, area. And I had coins in there and he did say to me, have you got any coins? I said, yeah. And then he had a look and he says, that's fine. And then once I went past that stage, um, the British government had laid on kind of a food box, um, courtesy of um, the, the airline and um, the government. So that food box came and it went straight back because I thought, you know, I was most likely to get food poisoning at this point rather than COVID-19. Um, and <laughs> at this point, I'm looking at McDonald's and all the different coffee shops and I'm like, I wish you guys were open Butler's was there, surprisingly. Um, would love to have a cappuccino. Didn't have one in a few weeks because of the lockdown and um, every every place in Karachi was shut for the last few weeks. So I was really waiting for uh, a nice cappuccino, but that never happened. Uh, and then the announcement was made for boarding about an hour after I went to the security area. It was really well enforced by zones. People with wheelchairs went on first. Um, and then I was, um, I believe I was zone th uh, three, the third zones. So basically they were, they were boarding people from, firstly from the back of the plane and then slowly to the front, which made sense because the less interaction, although you're going to find out soon, that was pointless, but it kind of made sense that you would work your way from the back to the front. And as I'm going through the air bridge, uh, I'm actually kind of relieved, um, you know, to finally be going back after being in Pakistan for about 50-odd days. Um, I can see the Qatar player plane in the distance on, on the airbridge. Um, nice upgraded airbridge, may I add. And then I step onto the aircraft and I see these people in white suits as if there's some sort of CSI murder inquiry going on. Phil hazmat suits on. Uh, and and it was actually quite, you know... It goes to show that Qatar really do care about their employees. Um, and at first it was a bit of a shock, but then you kind of realise that with what's going around in the world, it's be safe and sorry. And these guys are, these crew members are, you know, flying in and out. Um, and it's for their protection. They're going to be in the air most of the time, more so than the passengers, and they're going to be having more interactions with people. Uh, and the fact that there were no checks at the airport, it was kind of a safe bet on the... Qatar government to introduce that. So I go, I, I get onto the plane, take a right, and I walk and walk through the business class, and I'm like, wow, this is quite impressive. Um, much better, or not, not much better, but initial impressions were that this is on par with EK or slightly better. And then I come into economy class, and I'm like, wow, uh, people, you know, and, and all these flashbacks were coming of people telling me about how Qatar is, the presentation, the lighting, the you know, the, the comfort, comfortable seats, seeing the entertainment system in place. Um, it all really looked fresh. So I take my seat and uh, I'm hoping that social distancing is going to be enforced. As in, at this point, I'm not sure 
whether what I was told in terms of the flight being full was actually full or whether they meant that the flight is full but there are going to be seats empty next to you so that uh, social distancing is um, enforced on the cabin. But uh, lo and behold, I had uh, people uh, sitting next to me, uh, rubbing shoulders with them indeed, uh, which was a little bit strange um, given that the crew were fully kitted out uh, in terms of eyewear, headwear, masks, uh, full hazmats on. The captain made an announcement regarding the masks and that they must be worn throughout the flight and anyone who doesn't obey these rules will uh, get fined um, arriving into Heathrow. At this point I kind of felt sorry for the people who were wearing um, fabric or thick layered masks. Luckily I was wearing a three-ply mask um, so at least um, breathability was um, kind of decent on that. The flight takes off on time and an hour later the food arrives and I must say the food was amazing. Very rarely do I enjoy food on an Emirates flight. It, it's nice but it's it's a hit and miss. Uh, for example, especially the, the eastern routes, Hong Kong, China, I'm not too keen on those uh, food options but this one was amazing. I wasn't expecting a full-blown meal as we're all accustomed to in this day and age given COVID-19, given the hygiene aspect around the food and I thought maybe they were just going to give a sandwich and that's it. Um, but no, it was a full meal, very nice, it was very well balanced, really good portions, hot, the desserts, the chocolates, the Godiva chocolates were amazing. And I wasn't shy when I asked for another one um, down the line. Cannot complain about the food um, at all. And then um, just after food, the um, crew members, they put all the the window blinds down. They asked uh, passengers to put them down. The cabin lights went out and uh, I fell asleep for about 20 minutes. And normally I am the worst type of sleepers on flights. I don't sleep at all um, and the only reason I slept for those 20 minutes is because I never slept the night before um, in anticipation and excitement of getting on this flight, may I add. Uh, and I fell asleep for 20 minutes and when I woke up and due to turbulence or just, you know, um, as you do in flights, a device was pointed at my forehead by a cabin member. At this point, I was kind of shocked. Uh, I was like, what is going on? And then I understood they were taking temperatures. Um, at this point, I did feel it was really awkward. It was a bad choice for the cabin crew to do this. Um, it was kind of an invasion on privacy, you know, let's feed the people, put the lights out, let people sleep, and then, you know, we'll take their temperatures. And so... When my temperature was taken, the cabin crew member looked at me and she said, are you feeling okay? At this point, I was nervous. I was like thinking, what is wrong? Tell me. And I said, yeah, um, why, what's wrong? And she said, oh, well, your temperature's quite low. Are you sure you're feeling okay? And at this point, I'm like, <laughs> as long as my temperature is down, I'm happy, hen. Um, and it turned out it was just... Um, 
someone else on the flight was telling me that there were some issues with the device in itself. But what I found bizarre about this method of taking temperatures during a flight, it didn't really add up. Surely the better idea would have been to take temperatures as people were boarding the aircraft, at which point if someone did have a high temperature, you could offload them there and then. You're halfway through your journey at this point. What are you going to do if one, two, three or four passengers come out with a high temperature? Are you going to do a landing, emergency landing in a country in Doha or whatever? You know, add to the cost and convenience. What's going to happen with the rest of the passengers? So it, that temperature aspect really didn't go down well with me. I didn't agree with how they were, how it was um, enforced. Um, and then about two hours from landing, another meal was served, a smaller one, but a hot one. Again, it's not something that I'm accustomed to when I'm flying long haul with Emirates. Usually you get one hot snack and a colder snack near the end of the flight. To have the second meal be hot, it was basically sliders and chips, small burger and chips. Um, why they didn't offer ketchup is beyond me or any kind of sauce at that point. Um, eating uh, chips on its own isn't the most pleasant of feelings or tastes. Um, but nevertheless, the slider was juicy indeed, and uh, that was uh, very, it went down a treat. Lo and behold, um, by the time we finished, um, Captain makes an announcement, says uh, we're going to land, and as we do, we land in London Heathrow, connect immediately onto the terminal, Terminal 2, uh, come off the aircraft, and London Heathrow is pretty much deserted. Not a single soul, apart from the people coming off the flight. We proceed to border control, which was a ghost town. And then the most bizarre of things, at the baggage carousel, they had formed queues of people, three rows of all the passengers who came off this flight. And the baggage attendants were taking off the baggage, putting them in the designated corner, and they were slowly letting ten people at a time to retrieve their baggage and they were trying to enforce social distancing and uh, that was a joke in itself. Had the baggage attendants and Heathrow personnel been on this flight with us in the last eight hours, they would have realised it was a wasted exercise because there was no social distancing on board. And this is why it's very hard to enforce. This is why the CEO of Heathrow and many different airlines are saying, you know, this is not practical, it's not, you know... Um, it's not very easy to handle and force and to take care of. Overall, love this trip. I would, as I mentioned, I would go for Qatar Airways again only if they flew to Glasgow, but styledly they don't. However, I will consider them in the future if um, my route permits. One um, additional thing that I liked about Qatar was the fact that prior to landing, they didn't take the blankets away. If you travel with EK, you know that it's uh, EK are notorious for taking away blankets half an hour to 40 minutes before landing, and that's um, that's uh, a pain. So I did I did like that aspect of Qatar. And for first for someone who's traveling for the very first time with the airline, there have been way too many coincidental surprises and nice nice experiences. From the check-in, from the first point of contact till, 
you know, you'll be got off and how well we were looked after, the food, you know, the crew. It was great. Um, but yeah, that is it for this podcast. I thought I would post this uh, given my absence for the last two or three months and I didn't have my podcasting gear with me when I was uh, stuck abroad. So now we are on a back on a normal schedule. Tons of podcasts planned um, and given what's happening with COVID-19 at the moment, um, it is a sad state of affairs for the airline and the aviation industry in total. Um, and just as I'm ending this podcast, some bad news has come through from Karachi. Yeah, the very airport that I flew out from three weeks ago. Flight PK8303 has crash-landed as it was about to land. It was 200 metres away from the runway. Unbelievable. It crashed into a residential area just metres, literally metres away from the runway. Yeah, but that is it for this podcast. I hope you uh, liked it. Please please do rate this podcast. It does help um, in the iTunes store and the Google App Store as well. Um, any comments, then please do look at the show notes. I have my Twitter, the email address. They're all linked down below. And if you have any questions, any suggestions, any complaints, feel free to fire them across. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you liked this episode. Take care. See you in the next one. Bye-bye.